Welcome back, me sweet listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The Me Sweet podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C suites lead the companies we most admire. The C suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, is everything running smoothly in our day to day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, we are going to be talking to one of the three reasons why Donna cannot run for public office, one of her three college roommates, Copeland Rudolph. Copeland is the executive director of the Asheville City School Foundation. It's a not-for-profit whose mission is excellence with equity for all children in our schools. And I think that that is pretty awesome. Copeland has a master's in counseling psychology. She is a wellness coach. She is a mom to two incredible children. But I brought her here today because she embodies the concept of voting with your wallet and voting with your time. We often have conversations with ourselves about what we value, what our principles are. And Copeland does the same thing, but how she spends her money and her time is always completely aligned with her principles. So I am thrilled to have Copeland here today to share some of her tips and traps, and she's always very transparent and honest, and I think we have a lot to learn. Welcome, Copeland Rudolph. Thank you, Donna. I'm thrilled to be here. So Copeland, let's start with where we always start in the Me Suite with core values and riff off of there. That sounds great. I do want to add that um, I've just so enjoyed listening to your podcast, and I I listened to the podcast uh, when your mentor, Walt, was a guest. Yeah. And I, I loved his question, who would you call if you woke up face down on the pavement <laughs> in a city you didn't know? And I'm pretty sure that happened to me in 1986. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I called you. So here we are 30 years later. And... Um, Yes, core values. Yeah, well played, Copeland. There you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, my core values, the, the three that, that bubble up, I would say well-being mm-hmm. is one. And the belief behind that value is that, you know, all beings should have the resources and the environment to thrive. And so that's important to me and has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. The second would be integrity. Okay. And yeah, I believe that integrity, I had a mentor in my postgrad studies who said, you know, look at your life. And when things are not working so well, look to the three areas, feeling your feelings, telling the truth and keeping your agreements. Mm. When things aren't going well, you can look and go, where am I not feeling my feelings? Where am I not telling the truth? And where am I not keeping my agreements? And that integrity is about living into all three of those things. Okay. 
So I, I try to live by those principles. And I, as a leader of an organization, I use that mantra a lot so that we as an organization are walking our talk. And I would say the third value is justice. Okay. And justice has been something that has um, intrigued me. I mean, I think I can remember seeing injustice as early as second grade, definitely by fifth grade, you know, that I saw it in schools, especially because I started in public schools probably three to four years after school's integration happened in my town of Asheville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And so I I think justice has always been something that uh, has called to me. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I think that for me, that behavior is always that reflects that value is being open to learning about your past and looking at history and sort of the sins of the fathers, knowing my history. So I am not doomed to repeat it. Yeah. You, you have a really high sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, definitely. And more so coming home. I mean, Thomas Wolfe was wrong. You can come home again. Uh-huh. And um, it doesn't always look the way that you think um, when you, or what, the way it did as, as a child. But it's been interesting coming home to Asheville, North Carolina, and when you, you know, leaving and thinking, wow, if I return 30 years later, things are going to be so much better and excellence with equity in schools will just be a given. And so to return 30 years later and actually things seem worse than when I graduated in the 80s is really, um, it does spark a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. I want to go back when you mentioned well-being, integrity, and justice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you say well-being has always been on your core values list or did you evolve into this? I think that wellness on some level has always been there for me. Again, I, I think it was important in my family and to my mom um, and my dad. And mm-hmm. so I think it was there. I think I lost my way from it. But pretty quickly in my early 20s, I reconnected with how important it was yeah. for me to put my well-being as a, a big priority. And I think I, I was always a hyperactive kid. So movement and motion and exercise was never a chore. It was like a, a sanity strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that I chose on my own and sometimes that my teachers and coaches, you know, running around the bus three times while everybody else got to go into the Seven Eleven. you know, th- there were those <laughs> moments. But very early on in my 20s, um, when I was at Prescott College in Prescott, Arizona, I came upon my own personal mantra of, I'm fully alive in every moment of every day. Uh, And that was my personal mantra. And so I looked at things like what I was choosing to eat or what I was trying to do for work or the relationships I had that mm -hmm. I really looked at those things through the lens of full aliveness, wellness, vitality. So that was 30 years ago. And it's a very strong part of who I am. And it is really amazing that you've held on to that fully aliveness for over 30 years. That is yeah. such such an yeah. impressive achievement. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It 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 definitely 
um, mantras and visions and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a a mission statement, knowing those values, I think it really has been helpful for me in ways that I could never have even known in my 20s. Did you come at that from more of a rational angle or more of a, what I'll call the woo-woo angle? Oh, so woo-woo. Okay. Yeah, no. Prescott College in Arizona and I spent a lot of time in California and Uh worked for Outward Bound. I mean, I did my... Um, an internship my senior year at Esalen, like I've, I've done every woo-woo thing out there. And it came from really the body-centered psychology movement because I could talk my way around a therapist three uh, different ways. But, yeah. but really body-centered work where you really learn to get present mm-hmm. with how you're feeling, physical sensation, being in the moment. Uh-huh. Um, I think that that work with Gay and Katie Hendricks, the Hendricks Institute was very much um, about coming to that place of what it what is my true mission that I am fully alive in every moment of every day. What's my reason for being here? Yeah, and I think that I give my staff a lot right now. Mm-hmm. I give my community a lot right now of my time and energy, but it's because I have a deep well. Yeah. Of self-care. Right. I mean, I, I'm at work, but I've already gone to the gym today. Yeah. If altitude is dropping, the oxygen mask will drop from the ceiling, place it on yourself before assisting others. hmm Yep. And yeah. you, you have to take care of yourself to have the well to pull from the energy to help others. I, I think it's great. I want to break down a day in the life of you. So you just mentioned you've already been to the gym today. Uh, you're at work. Mm-hmm. And this evening, you have uh, one of your community service events. Yes, I teach strength training in a women's correctional facility. I've done that. I'm in my fourth year of doing that. Uh-huh. And I, I don't view it necessarily as service. Okay. I view it as an opportunity for me to get proximate. Yeah. And it's cliche, but I get way, way more than I give yeah. um, through those classes. And I get to connect with some wonderful women. And I always joke because I, I teach middle schoolers from time to time. I teach a wide array of folks uh, through the YMCA mm-hmm. in group exercise a couple times a week. And then I teach inmates. And I love to tell my YMCA folks, I teach you and inmates and middle schoolers and guess where you are on the list of enjoyable. Um, <laughs> they're number three because they complain and it's always too hot. And the, So, you know, one thing I've learned from the women that I am in relationship with at, at the correctional facility is the, mm-hmm. just a tremendous amount of grace yeah. and gratitude. I mean, talk about people who thank me profusely again and again for Uh being there. Yeah. So, you know, I've learned a lot about so much, so, so much. And I've learned a lot about how ironically women in correctional facilities say, you know, the irony is I, I have so much time for myself to take care of myself while incarcerated. And the women that I have mentored when they've gotten out, Mm -hmm that all can go away the minute they walk outside those 
gates because all of a sudden there's children and trying to get a job and trying to pay off the parking ticket that was only $40 when you went in prison, but now it's $900. And if you don't pay off that ticket, you don't get your license. And, you know, it it unfolds from there. And I Uh watch them try to hold on to self-care and I am, I'm just in awe of, of, what they go through and in a, in a, talk about in a day in the life of. So yeah, that's a part of my life that is really important to me. Yeah. I was listening to or watching a really amazing documentary about women in their 80s and 90s who are still going to work or contributing in their field. And this one um, choreographer who's in her 90s in France, she still goes and warms up the troupe each day. Uh And she said, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I feel the galloping horses. And I'll know that I can't go anymore when I don't feel the galloping horses. And when she said that, it was the first time that someone had described to me sort of the feeling that I have in the morning, like, let's get like the galloping horses are there. So mm-hmm. I think I have a good amount of energy and, and, and I don't, you know, one thing I hate is the myth that we can do it all. And, you know, I don't do all things well. I do a lot of things good enough. Mm-hmm. And when I was little, I was so hyper. And I remember my dad saying, you know, why can't you just stick with one thing? And I've found that that's been my gift. I do a lot of things yeah. pretty well. I'm not an expert at anything. Uh huh. You do not have a television. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. My husband and I met working for Outward Bound in the early, like 1990. And we just decided we weren't going to have a TV. I think we had one once mm-hmm. for about six months. And... um and we, you know, I realized, eh, you know, after so many episodes of ER, it's like, okay, this is pretty boring. So we, we've just never had a TV. And so the kids, we didn't have a television screen. I think we got a screen to play videotapes when they were little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and now we have computers. So now, but I don't, that's just not a habit for me because it's never been a habit. So I don't watch TV. Yeah. I listen to podcasts. I listen to the me suite religiously while I walk my dog. I walk my dog every night. I've, I've heard of that one. At, I've heard of the me yeah. suite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. You should check it out. Um, but yeah, so I, I listen to podcasts while I walk my dog and I walk my dog every night. Yeah. 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 I do think I, I wanted to illuminate this on purpose because when I do executive coaching, mm-hmm. the main excuse for any self-improvement idea is I don't have time to fit it in. Right. Every time. Yeah. That is the yeah. an- time is every yeah. time the answer. <laughs> right. right. And and I think if we were to really do a diagnosis of how we spend our time mm-hmm. to the degree that mindless television is part of that, I just wanted to illustrate a point because I I, I did not believe that TV was a part of your routine and that gives you an opportunity to fit in yeah. walking your dog and getting your news. It doesn't mean that you're living in a bubble and unaware, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I'm a political junkie. So yeah. I, I listen to new, I listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook. I mean, honestly, I am like off that thing too, because yeah. that's just a time suck yeah. as well. And, and I noticed when I got on that, I stopped reading as much. And uh. so I really try, I go on for my, our organization I do the Davidson College thing of checking everyone's grammar and then I, you know, log <laughs> off. 
So I want to go back to the other thing you said about identifying your mantra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fully alive in every moment of it. That was my one in the 20s. I have a new one now. But Oh, tell me, what is that one? Well, my new one is I just incorporate my core values. So I support integrity, transformative justice, and comprehensive wellness in my community and beyond. Ah, you have like a That's mission statement. That's my mission statement now. I, I think that there's not enough of that. If I could incorporate more time for writing, I've I've had the great pleasure of hosting the North Carolina Poet Laureate, Miss oh. Jackie Shelton Green, in our schools the last week. And I've done the writing exercises with the students and just been delighted at the time to sit and write. Yeah. It's so fun, but it's something that I just rarely give myself the time to sit down, but it's so worth it. If you had a listener who is thinking about building the me sweet mindset and they got inspired by your statement of being fully alive, Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone to start to identify that for themselves on Monday? Well, I mean, I think for the wellness piece for me, it's it's been really fun to always have a side hustle. Uh-huh. And for me, wellness has always been a side hustle. So I've always taught fitness classes because you can do it once a week for an hour. You get a free gym membership. It's um, a great way to connect socially. It it checks a lot of boxes. Mm -hmm. And so that's my side hustle. But I do think creating space in your life for something other than work that feeds you, but then really finding practices, which whether it's meditation or mindfulness or, and there's so much support out there now through like insight timer. Uh, There are a lot of free resources, but having enough stillness in your day that you start developing that muscle of pausing, Mm. breathing, asking yourself, how does what I'm doing right now or eating right now or interacting right now bring me vitality and and a sense of well-being? So I I think to me, it's creating those those pauses. It's been hard for me, again, because I'm really active. So then to slow down seems... It's a ch- that's been a challenge, but it's opened up so much more for me to be discerning. And I say no to a lot of things. I feel I I say yes to some things, but I'm very discerning about how I, I think, like you said, what I have vote with my time or my dollars or my, I, I think um, that's been important because you can't do it all. Yeah, You, re- you can't. Well, I believe the best definition of strategy is knowing what to say no to. Mm -hmm. And so if you're very clear on your core values, you have this articulated mission, it's easier for you to know what to say no to Mm -hmm. because you're starting with a strategic foundation. Yes. So I don't want to sound morbid, but I am working on a blog for the Me Suite and the working title is Chomping at the Obit. (laughs) Okay. And the concept is that when you and I are not here anymore, what is our Mm -hmm. obituary going to say? And Mm. will it say what we will be proud of? Right. It's Mm. it's almost start with the end in mind and work backwards. Right. What what would I what 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 I want my obituary to say? And it's very a very depressing topic on the surface, although I think Mm. quite a meaningful exercise. But I use you as an example because I do believe that. 
yours will say amazing things about Mm. what you've been giving. And I really challenge myself in this and anyone listening to really think about what are your principles? What are your values? Where have you maybe not been lining behind them passionately? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's hard to do. Mm -hmm. And what do you want people to say about you behind your back? Yeah. 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 And I think yeah. you're you're an inspiration for that in a lot of ways. So I'm very mm, I'm very proud of you. you. Thank you. The Asheville City Schools are very lucky to have you in their leadership. I'm so grateful to be able to be in a position where I feel such a strong sense of purpose. And, yeah. You know, my when my daughter graduates high school in May, you know, she'll be the fourth generation of our family to to graduate from Asheville High School. And I feel so blessed and I hope my obituary will say that I was part of the solution. I mean, part yeah. of part of the the generation or the group of leaders who said it's no longer okay to have the number one racial achievement gap in our state, fifth in our nation, and that we closed that gap. Yeah. And that we had a revolutionary love for our children and we did whatever by any means necessary. We did what we needed to do as a community to lift up our children and all of our children and make sure that they were thriving and fully alive and able mm-hmm. to follow their dreams and realize their potential. And so I hope that's what my obituary says is that that I was part of making that dream a reality. Wow. Yeah, this is amazing. I appreciate you sharing this with us, and I'm, I'm hoping you're giving us all a little bit of a, a needle in the back to think about ways that we can be in support of our core values a little bit more overtly and uh, challenge ourselves to be better people. Hmm. Well, that means a tremendous amount coming from <laughs> you, Donna. Thank you. So this is Copeland Rudolph, everybody, and may you always wake up hearing galloping horses. Hmm. Amen. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at themesuite.com. That's the dash me dash suite.com. Suite like executive suite. That's the dash me dash suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life minded.